Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Random BS. Today I'm going to be talking about why I think Purdue basketball is going to win at the NIL game. NIL has certainly changed college sports quite a bit. I'll say up front that I feel like it's long overdue to allow these athletes to profit off of their skills. I do think that a scholarship is definitely a uh, huge benefit, and I don't want to discount that. However, it's not proportional to the value that a lot of these athletes bring, especially in basketball and football. There are still a number of issues related to how you pay for or how you distribute profits among some of the smaller sports. But having said that, I think that it's a good thing that we have these athletes who bring such great value to the university and frankly make a lot of people a lot of money and allow them to make some of that money themselves. I think the least that the sport can do is allow them to profit off of their image and likeness. A lot of the issues that we've seen with NIL so far has been a disproportionate payment in, with respect to that image. It's being used as a bit of a uh, uh, incentive to bring athletes to certain programs. And I can certainly understand some of the concern with that. This isn't necessarily an athlete making a few bucks off of recording a commercial for a local pizza joint. But at the same time, there's plenty of money flowing around, and there always has been. And now it's illegal. It's legal, and it's, it's above the table, and it's something that... Uh, these athletes can go into that decision of where to play ball at uh, knowing how they would profit from that. I do think that the NCAA has not necessarily set up a perfect system, of course. A lot of that has to do with a shocking lack of planning that went into setting up the NIL. Uh, Their hand was basically forced through a variety of court cases, and you're sort of seeing that in the way in which this haphazard um, program has been set up. Having said all of that, it's still a net positive for the players. With that being said, there was a little bit of a concern, I think actually a lot of concern amongst programs that maybe were not at the very top of their game. Um, Those mid-level and lower-level programs, as well as programs like Purdue, that were, at least in basketball, fairly strong on the national stage, but not able to compete with the likes of Duke and Kentucky and those types of programs for the type of athletes that it's traditionally thought is necessary in order to win a championship. I think the concern about having uh, needed to spend a lot of money or have a lot of money flow into the athlete's hands in order to win games, uh, there was concern there that that would just lead to the rich, the blue bloods, uh, getting richer. And I think that's not entirely an unreasonable concern to have. However, I think as we've seen things play out a little bit, we've started to see that Purdue is actually holding itself up quite well in the NIL game, not necessarily in the number of dollars that are being transferred, um, but in the sense that Purdue is able, at least in basketball, to maintain a competitiveness that... uh, there was some concern that they might not be able to if they didn't have uh, access to the millions and millions of dollars that some other programs have to set up similar NIL issues.
the football program is a different animal than the basketball program. So I'm going to be focusing mostly on the basketball program, simply because football as a sport is uh, is set apart from the other college sports in terms of the revenue that it generates, the attention that it generates, just the size of these programs. You can't really compare it to anything else, even basketball. There's a lot of money that flows in through basketball. There's a lot of attention on basketball, but it's not the same thing as football. Football is college football is on a level that you would normally only see in professional sports. And so Purdue is a little bit hamstrung in that sense, in in that there requires a whole different level of of infrastructure in order to be a successful football program. Purdue has made a lot of strides towards having a top quality football program, but we would be lying if we said that they were on the same level as some of the the higher level programs, not just nationwide, but within the conference itself. With that being said, the basketball program is in a little bit different of a position. Purdue basketball, although we're all familiar with the inability of the Purdue program to sustain and and really achieve like the top top level of success within the sport is still a pretty good program and is still one that uh, rises above most of its peers. There's just been a little bit of a problem called the NCAA tournament, but setting that aside, Purdue has been successful. Matt Painter has been able to sustain some success over several seasons, several recruiting classes, and has gained plenty of momentum through recruiting to the point where you can reasonably expect Purdue to be a very good, very solid, at the very least, program over the next several years. And one concern about NIL was that it would allow for these larger programs like the North Carolinas, the Dukes, the Kentuckys, the Kansases, those types of programs to use lesser programs as feeder uh, programs for their own talent that would allow them to continue to recruit at a high level. And then when it became necessary, pluck a a talented player from a less well-developed program and thus preventing some of these other programs that are not quite on that level from achieving the same level of success that they themselves are able to. So if you were a Purdue fan that was worried that Purdue would have to deal with these NIL issues every season, or you were worried that Purdue would have its talent taken from it by other bigger programs as they developed and thus arresting their development into a top-level program, you, you could be forgiven for thinking that. I mean, that, that's a thing that, that was certainly on, on my mind when I was thinking about Purdue basketball and thinking about the effects of the NIL. Fact is that none of us really knew how this was going to play out until it actually started to play out. And then once it did, you had a better sense of what Purdue's role in this was. I would say that Purdue, by and large, was behind many of its peers with respect to setting up the infrastructure necessary to be successful in the NIL. The Boilermaker Alliance, uh, from all indications, is is running smoothly, but they were certainly not the first program to set up an alliance or set up an NIL program. And a lot of that, I think, had to do with some of the murky laws or murky regulations around what an NIL would actually look like. There is this sense that the schools themselves have a limited ability to be directly involved in that NIL. And I can understand why some might want that to be the case. You would want this to exist outside of the programs, and you would want to reduce the possibility that uh, an NIL would be used as an inducement to get players to join a certain team. But like we live in the real world. We, we just know that there are 
these relationships that already exist between these programs and local boosters or local companies that have gone back for quite some time now. And the main difference here is that a lot of this is on the level now uh, with respect to uh, the new rules that the NCAA has, has set up. So while Purdue's history is fairly spotless, but not completely spotless, Purdue is not one of those programs that's known for playing in that gray area when it comes to inducements or uh, the ways in which they get uh, recruits on campus. And so there was a thought that some of these other places that had these informal structures set up to um, recruit successfully these high-level players, Purdue not really playing in that game, would be behind. And maybe you saw that a little bit with some of the delays that it took for the Alliance and some other structures to get set up. But Purdue, in a very typical Purdue fashion, went about getting those things set up in a very methodical way. They had a specific goal for what they wanted those types of programs to look like at Purdue, and it just took a little bit of time to get those set up. Having said that, even if you look at the timeline that it took to get the Boilermaker Alliance set up. This is not something that took forever. Like there was plenty of work that went into this and it's just this, this rushed news cycle that had people talking about it for quite a while. But now that things have been set up and have been going on for quite some time, you can see some of the benefits that it brings to Purdue's players. Again, Purdue doesn't really have someone other than Jaden Ivey who had that national profile necessary in order to uh, really pull in these, these big these big deals. Uh, Edie is obviously a significant player for Purdue. Hopefully will continue to be that next year. But being as he's Canadian and there's certain rules around how a uh, non-U.S. citizen can engage with the NIL system, it's been less of an issue for him. But I think we've seen a lot of the benefits of the NIL from the Purdue program standpoint in the sense that it's able to provide opportunities from players up and down the roster to earn a little bit of money in their in their role. And I think that that's been a huge benefit. It's shown that it's not just something that can benefit that top 1% or those top 20 guys in the sport. It's really something that if you have your head about you and you run a good program, you can set something up that benefits everybody. And I think we, having seen that, we're able to uh, show how that can be a benefit to the program. Still, this concern remains as to whether the NIL could be used as a way of pulling talent away from Purdue. And now I'm not saying that we'll never see that happen. It's possible, perhaps even likely, that at some point a high-level player for Purdue will um, look at their role on the team and decide that they want to pursue that same type of role on a different team or they'll have a better chance of achieving a goal of theirs if they go someplace else. But so far, that just hasn't been the case. So far, we have not seen something where you take a Purdue player who's having a successful season, who's really set up to be that guy for Purdue, and have them go to a different school because of some NIL deal. Uh, a lot of this has to do with the philosophy around how Purdue has worked with its um, alliance to structure uh, these types of deals in that it's not necessarily used as a way of inducing new players to come to Purdue, but rather as a way of maintaining um, satisfaction within the program from its players. And I think that's a, it may seem like a minor point, but I think that's an important distinction because Matt Painter has spent quite a bit of time focused on the proper roster 
configuration for his teams. This is has to do not just with the talent. You know, he's talked a lot about making sure that he has the right shooters or he has has the right uh, big men. He's got a certain philosophy. He recruits for that philosophy. He builds those teams. But he also talks a lot about having the right makeup around the team. And you can see that in a lot of the transfers that he brings in. Some of those guys are, I mean, they've all been really, really good players, but there's been a fit component there that that outshines all other parts of bringing in a certain player. Is someone willing to accept their role on the team? Are they willing to come off the bench? Are they willing to be a good teammate? And I think that Purdue's had some really great success there. And so if you have this philosophy that allows you to build your program in a specific way, that allows you to coach the way that you want to coach and win the way that you want to win, you really need to spend most of your time trying to maintain that culture rather than trying to chase the next shiny object as we've seen other programs, not to call anyone out, but Illinois, go about operating in the NIL in the NIL era. So Purdue has a program culture that's quite distinct. It has certain types of players that they really want to see. Matt Painter recruits those guys both in terms of the, the high school players that he, he signs, as well as those one, maybe two transfers that he's going to be pursuing over the next couple of years or has traditionally in the past, guys that can maintain that culture. And I think that's a smart way of going about it. Purdue has not yet hit that top tier within the the Purdue or within the college basketball system. You know, they haven't made a Final Four. They haven't won a national championship. They haven't had a lot of that stage. But all the pieces are there, right? They've got plenty of talent. They've got good recruiting. Matt Painter's a good coach. They've got good facilities. They've got all the ingredients. They just haven't, like, mixed together in such a way that uh, Purdue has been able to achieve those highest goals. So if you have all of those ingredients, and one of those ingredients being the culture that you instill within that program, it's really important that you do whatever you can to maintain that. And if they're going to use the NIL as a way of maintaining that culture that they already have, that sure seems like a better use of funds than chasing after some uh, random prospect who uh, is looking to maximize the most money that they have. Not that that's a bad thing. I mean, basketball careers are short. A lot of these guys in the portal, especially, uh, are not going to play in the NBA. They may get a chance in Europe, but this is an opportunity for them to earn some big money. And if uh, they have the opportunity to do so, I think they should. But that has not been the focus of Matt Painter and his recruitment. And I think that it's uh, it, it shows in, in how he goes about constructing his rosters. Now, the other thing that the NIL era has introduced has been uncertainty. And uncertainty in the sense that a lot of what we're talking about here can all change very quickly. And this has always been true of college sports. You have a couple bad years, you miss on a couple guys, and all of a sudden you're looking at um, a less than successful program. Even Matt Painter himself has experienced that in his time coaching at Purdue. So everything that I'm saying here, this might not be true in a couple years. I hope it is. I hope that Purdue maintains its culture. I hope that Purdue is able to maintain this level of success and hopefully break through to that next level of success. But it, it might it might change. But if you have a solid foundation in terms of the culture that you're building, then it's a lot easier to be additive in how you go about um, adding people to the program or how you go about uh, continuing that culture from, from class to class. There's still this part of me that 
looks at some of these smaller programs, especially these mid and low majors, who any bit of success is met with a decimation of the roster. I and mean, we saw this with St. Peter's. You know, they beat Kentucky, they beat Purdue, they make a lot of noise in the NCAA tournament, they lose their coach, they lose three or four players. It's quite a problem. And it's really hard for those types of programs to get back to that level, that sustained success. We talk a lot about levels of success within sports. And there's this occasional success where you you have like a really special season. And then the next level beyond that is is sustainment of success at a certain level. Are you competing for your conference? Are you winning 20 games? Are you making the NCAA tournament? That requires consistent greatness, relatively speaking, for your program over a period of time. And that is really hard to do whenever you know that if you have a breakout player or a breakout season and you have guys that are going to be over-recruited through the NIL, it feels very much like the rock has rolled down the hill and you have to start all over again. I think that Purdue, by and large, is insulated from some of that because Purdue is already a, a good program, has a has a good reputation. It's in the Big Ten. They've had some success, some sustainment over time. It would take um, more than just one rough year in order for them to really feel the pain that some of these programs are, are feeling. We're, look, we're talking about something where Purdue would have to really hit a low in order to uh, get behind the eight ball here. But I think heading into the NIL era with already a strong culture both in terms of how these teams are built and how these teams operate, but also in terms of uh, the wins that they've been able to get, the, the, the way that they've been able to play on the national stage. They've had some All-Americans. They've had a National Player of the Year. The way that they've been able to do that, it allowed for them to carry over into the NIL era a lot easier than maybe they would have if this had come about when Purdue was in a lower point within their history. So in short, I don't see Purdue ever changing, at least Matt Painter ever changing this philosophy of not just chasing the highest ranked transfers or the highest ranked recruits and relying on the NIL to deliver them. I I don't think that's a winning strategy, but I also don't think that's how he's built or how he wants to build the team. But the reason why I think that Purdue is coming out ahead in the NIL era is because they are instead focusing that energy on maintaining the positive things that they have right now, making sure that their players from their best player on the court all the way down to the guys on the bench that don't play very much, uh, making sure that they're happy in their roles, that they are experiencing the same types of opportunities that anyone else on the roster gets. And even though they may not be pulling in you know, five million plus as the occasional player in college basketball does, they're still making a little bit of money and keeping everybody happy and maintaining that core and maintaining that culture, which I think is just completely important. So we'll see where this ends up. We'll see how Purdue adapts. Uh, as long as they're able to maintain this l- general level of success that they've seen over the last several seasons, 2020 accepted as long as they're able to maintain that level of success and this type of culture they should serve well in the nil era maybe that doesn't become a liability Uh, the thing to keep an eye on is if they if they do slip a little bit how can they use these types of programs to get back to the level that they expect to be at i don't think anyone has a really good answer for that we're all in a new a new era here. Um, there's, it's been really interesting to read about how other athletic departments are perceived by their fans or by players. There are a lot of traditional blue blood programs in both football and basketball where 
the athletic department isn't quite as forward thinking. There's still this attitude of, well, you should just be grateful that you're being recruited by us. That comes out in certain places. And I think ultimately those teams are going to have to be flexible. And we might see those types of programs, a blue blood, maybe struggle or two because they have not adapted to that power shift where uh, in the past, the program, the school held most of the power. And now it's evened out like a little bit. Um, we'll see how those teams are able to adapt. And I think the lesson that I'm taking away from all of this is that it's a big change for everybody. And in times where there's big change for everybody, that's opportunity that if you are an adult organization and you behave like a professional, you can see that opportunity and take uh, the best advantage of it you can in order to make your program even stronger. So I'm happy with Purdue, what Purdue has done so far. I think they've done um, quite a bit. I was a little nervous at first because I wasn't sure how this would be embraced by the fans, by the athletic department, by players that are looking to come to Purdue. But I think by and large, they've acquitted themselves quite well. I think it's shown in the product. And I think as long as we can continue on this path and be flexible when things change in the future, I think that Purdue can continue to not be negatively affected by the NIL era, at least in basketball. And we'll just have to see what comes in football. Maybe that that's a future episode. So thank you very much for listening. I really appreciate it. As always, leave comments on the post or hit me up on Twitter at The Railroad Tie. And I look forward to chatting with each of you. And thank you for spending some time with me.